0: Thank you so much for joining us online today. It's going to be so sweet next Sunday when we're able to get together, many of us anyway, face to face, well I guess at least mask to mask, just look so forward to just being able to see people. But again, thank you for being with us today. I want to start with the passage I think all of us need to hear in the times that we live in. Paul's writing Timothy and he says these words, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. You see, I think Timothy struggled a little bit with timidity. And, and Paul's wanting to say to him, man, don't be dominated by fear. Understand the power, the love, the self-control that you've been given from, to get, been given from God. And today, I think all believers need to be told that we have a power within us that anything can happen in the name of God. You remember when you felt that way? Where you just thought anything's possible. I can remember when I was baptized at the Capitol Heights Church of Christ, walked out that back steps, with my hair still wet, thinking, my goodness, we could take the world. What was that moment for you? Maybe it was in youth ministry when you were so fired up for God, maybe it was in campus ministry. We thought, whoa, we're going to we're gonna win this campus. I can remember being at the University of Alabama, and we literally believed that there would be a day when we would meet in the Coliseum because of what God was going to do. Or maybe it's that moment that you came to church that was just on fire. I can remember years ago, sort of my beginning of my tenure here at Landmark, a man could get on the phone in the middle of the night, call a prayer meeting, and you'd meet up here on this stage, and there might be 20 or 30 people. We were so on fire about what we were doing. Maybe it was that moment when you finally really dove into God's Word and you saw more than words, you saw God. Or that moment when you developed a spiritual friendship where you prayed together and you helped each other become more like Jesus. Those are great moments, but for too many of us, they're in our past. Too often, as Paul knew, fear can take over. The Christian life is harder than we expected. We have failures, we try to step out and take chances. We've had a bad experience maybe with somebody or some church. Or maybe we become more cautious. The older we grow because we have family. I mean, you know, when you're young and single, you can take great risks. When you're a little bit older and you've got all these kids to think about, often you, you pull back because it would affect them. Maybe it's because people just flat think you're crazy to have those kind of priorities. Or Satan makes you a target Or for most of us, it may not be a moment. It's just a slow drifting from that moment where our faith was stronger than our fear. We begin to lose it with age. That's one reason I absolutely love to talk to teenagers and college students. Because they still believe that God can do anything. So here's my goal. My goal in my life is to end up and to finish this life more fired up than I've ever been. My goal is to be to come alongside many people like you and go, you know what, you've got a power within you. Do you recognize the Holy Spirit lives in you? You recognize through prayer that you can tap any moment of any day the very power of God? You see, here's the question of our day. Will you finish faithfully or fearfully? Pretty good contrast there. Are you going to be faithful? And I've been to too many funerals where someone stood up and said, so-and-so was a faithful Christian. Now, we had a pretty limited definition of that. It meant they went to church three times a week. And I'm not saying that's not a part of it. But that's not what the word faithful means. Listen, it means faithful. It means full of faith. And yet we both have the, we all have these temptations. Am I going to be full of faith or am I going to be full of fear? And never have we faced this more than today. What we need is someone to put their arms around us, remind us of God's love for us, remind us of the power of God, that God could do anything. And this morning, I nominate Joshua and Caleb. Last week, we started this story. This week, we get to see the exciting rest of the story. Last week, we saw God's people escape slavery in Egypt. They'd been there 400 years It was a miraculous escape full of plagues and crossing the Red Sea, food falling from heaven. I mean, it was amazing what they had seen. God had plunged and drowned the whole Egyptian army in the middle of the Red Sea after they passed through on dry land. And everybody knows where they're headed. They're headed back to Canaan. They're headed back to the promised land where Joseph had first come from. And so they're getting ready. They want to be wise about it, so they send out 12 spies. They come back with their report. It's just what God said it was. It was a land full of milk and honey. It was beautiful. It was powerful. It was fruitful. And then we get the reports. The majority report, 10 of them said, oh, my goodness, it is cool. But those guys in there are giants, and we look like grasshoppers. And then there's our faithful men, Joshua and Caleb, who say, by all means, we must go in because God is with us the majority report wins and the people grumble they even say something as crazy as we want to go back to egypt my goodness can you imagine that and god is so angry at their faithlessness god ends up taking the life on the spot of those 10 spies who said no and for everybody else he says you will never enter my promised land except for our men joshua and Caleb. And here's what I want us to learn from them as we keep in the story. How do you finish faithfully? Because where we're going to see him in just a few moments, 40 years later, is back on the edge of the Jordan River, about to enter. But let let me make a point before we get there. How do you finish faithfully? Here's what the Bible said. You must have a different spirit. Remember that description? Of Caleb, but because my servant Joshua has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land. Don't you love that description? He had a different spirit. Normal people don't have this kind of spirit. It's different. It stood out then, and it will stand out now. Now, here's something I want you to think about that I've been thinking about all week. How did he maintain that different spirit for 40 years? I mean, Joshua and Caleb are having some of the punishment that really wasn't theirs. They've got to wander in this wilderness with these faithless people for 40 years. And yet, you're going to see in our story, they kept that different spirit. They're getting punished for other people's mistakes. You ever played on an athletic team? And if one guy made a mistake, the whole team, um, you know, had to run laps? You thought, this is so unfair. I'm so mad at my coach. These guys, they're running laps not for five minutes, they're running laps for 40 years. What amazes me about Joshua and Caleb is that they didn't become bitter. They didn't become negative. They didn't fall in with the crowd. They were not normal. They were different. Now, why were they different? I think it's back in that phrase, they followed God wholeheartedly. It's like we said a few weeks ago, and this has been an incredible challenge to me. They desired God more than they desired the blessings of God. They followed completely. And then there's another point I want to make here. In fact, if I could go back and redo this outline, this would be a fifth point, okay? I think they finished faithfully because they had each other. I'm convinced there would never have been a Joshua without a Caleb. And there never would have been a Caleb without a Joshua. God's always made sure his people have a partner with his Joshua and Caleb Moses and Aaron, David and Jonathan, Elijah and Elisha, Paul and Timothy. God's always made sure of that. And I ask you this morning do you have that person who, along with you, has a different spirit? So we see they have this different spirit. They have each other. And then we get to the story of what happens next. Go with me, if you would, uh, to Joshua chapter 3. And let's look at what happens. Look at verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan. Now, let's just stop there for a minute. There's a point where you have to be really careful about how you pronounce a biblical word, okay? Yes. You might yes, us. Please, please mark that. They, they were Shittim. When they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to people. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God, and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you've never been this way before, obviously. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not get near it. We've we've seen the movies like Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's this box that carries, you know, the powerful symbols of God. It literally represents the presence of God. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. So Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. Then in verse 13, we see the promise. As soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, the waters flowing downstream, be cut off and stand up in a heap. So then we keep reading. Watch it happen. This is such a wonderful scene that we can learn so much from. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Let me mention this. Jordan River is not a big river. It's quite a disappointment if you go visit it. But at flood stage, it goes to about a mile across. It's not deep, but it's very fast, very dangerous to cross. So, yet as soon as the priest who carried the Ark reached the Jordan... And their feet touch the water's edge. The water from the upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap for a great distance. Wow, what a story. Now, what is our point that we receive from this story? If you're going to finish faithfully, you must take some faith steps. Now, Now, what are faith steps? Faith steps are steps when you really can't see it, you have to do it by faith. Listen to me, my friend. You were not meant to be a, one, a, a a wilderness wanderer. You were meant by God to be a Canaan conqueror. But to do that, you must take a step of faith. And I was thinking about this, the week, this week about this great story. I remembered us having Rick actually in 1999 come and preach to us on this story. I thought, I got to go back and Get the cassette tape. (laughs) They had to search for a while. And then we had to search for a cassette tape player. But I listened to it. It was an awesome sermon. I want to share two lines that really I remember touched me. Here's what Rick said. The river doesn't lose its power until they get their feet wet. You Got to get your feet wet. Now, first of all, I messed this screen up. I said, until they got their faith wet. Pretty accurate, actually. A real faith steps into the river. And then he said this, the promises of God are not really believed until they are acted on. You and I could stay here all day long and say, I believe this, I believe this, I love God, he's powerful, he promised this. But until you act on it, you really don't have faith. And you say, buddy, that sounds like work salvation to me. Oh, no, no, no. Listen to me. Scripture is not antagonistic toward activity. Faith is not the opposite of activity. What Scripture is antagonistic about is faith that is exercised for merit. You understand the difference? If what I do is to earn my salvation, then obviously that's impossible. But we can't take that as excuse to say faith doesn't have action. In fact, James will say to you, if your faith doesn't have some works to go with it, that's evidence you really don't have faith. So faith gets its feet wet. Faith always calls for action. It's a faith step when you know you can only do it by God's power. So, you got to have a different spirit. You must take faith steps. And then, while this is this is the coolest part of the story to me. Joshua chapter 14, look with me at at verse 6 and let's see our man Caleb. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal and Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Kesarite said to him, you know that the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me? He's talking to Joshua. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. There's our word, fear. They had fear over faith. Caleb had faith over fear. I, however, listen, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. You think the Lord wants us to hear the word wholeheartedly? Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive. He said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to the battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me on that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me I will drive them out just as he said. Dude, you love that story. Wow. I can't almost read that without being emotional. This 85-year-old man is saying, give me the tough part. He wants the hill country. He wants the part we learned about earlier, has the biggest giants. Write this down. Caleb was 85, still strong, still active, still faithful. And because of that, He was ready for new challenges. And that's our third point. You must accept new challenges. You see, when our faith stops growing, it's when we stop going into new territory and claiming it for God. When we just, honestly, we do the same thing over and over and over again, expecting us to grow, and we don't. There's an author named A.W. Tozer from years ago, and he wrote these words, we may as well face it, the whole level of spirituality among us is low. We've measured ourselves by ourselves until the incentive to seek higher plateaus in the things of the Spirit is all but gone. We've imitated the world, sought popular favor, manufactured delights to substitute for the joy of the Lord, and produced a cheap and synthetic power to substitute for the power of the Holy Ghost. Well... You probably recognize he's an older guy if he's using the word Holy Ghost. He actually died in 1963. But what he writes there is as fresh as the morning newspaper today. We have measured ourselves by ourselves instead of by the promises of God. And because of that so often, we're not accepting the new challenge. Listen to me. Listen closely here. My friends, there is no such thing as standing still spiritually. Spiritually. You are either going forward or you're going backwards. You can't get to place and say, this is good enough. In church, listen to me. There's no such thing as a church that can stand still. I remember reading this uh, book about organizations years ago. It says, most organizations begin as risk takers, become caretakers, and die as undertakers. And let me say this. The landmark church is not going to die as undertakers. We're going to be a risk-taking church because it's when you step out on risk that you meet the power of God. God joins you when you need Him. If, if, If we're planning on doing something you and I could do, why does God have to join? But if we're planning on doing something that only could happen by the power of God, then God comes with us. So I want to ask you here in our message right now, what is your next step? What is your new challenge? It's like Dan said earlier, everyone has a next step. Let me just give you a few to get your mind running. It might be this time for you to be baptized. It's literally time for you to get wet in the water. That's an amazing faith step where you believe in the power of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to bring you close to God. Maybe your faith step is you decide to really dive into God's Word and feed your faith and to learn from the great stories about what God does do. Maybe your faith step is what I said in a message a few years ago, which is mine this year, is to desire God more than I even desire the blessings of God. I'm not close to that, but that's what I want. I want God to be enough. I want to be where Paul says, when I'm weak, you're strong. Maybe your faith step is that you're in a sinful relationship. And you need to get out of that relationship. Maybe your faith's up. Maybe all of our faith's up. Is in the division of our country. We need to be the people that are proactive. I know we're all shocked by the blatant racism we see. We're all shocked by this, this fight that seems no end. And I've been so reminded this past week. After Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Of all those quotations. That were so full of Truth. What really frightens me today is so many people on both sides of the equation right now, their standard is not scripture. It's not love. It's not forgiveness. It's not reconciliation. It's let's stay as divided as we can. And, you guys, here's what I'm convinced of we have the answer. The world does not have the answer. When we begin to reach out to each other, and guys, it's as practical as you inviting someone in your home or out to eat that's a different color of skin than you. Guys, it's it's, it's so much more difficult to not like someone, to hate someone, if you don't know them. So let's be the proactive people. And even on on politics, we're so divided. And I know this is hard for all of us. Would you be willing to sit down with someone of the uh, opposite political party and say, Hey, I'm not here to criticize you. I'm here to understand you. I really want to know. And I'd like you to understand how I can get to my position. Guys, we cannot stay locked in these battles. We've got to be the people because we have the spirit. We have the attitude. We know the forgiveness of God. We know the grace of God that we can reach out and do it. That's a big step we need to take. Racism politics. Some of you, your, your next step is Landmark 101 this coming Sunday. Decide to be an active part of this church and help us reach this community. We, we've sent, um, you know, email out this week to all of our, our small group leaders that on January 31st, you engage your group in some way. It might be face-to-face if you're comfortable with that. It might be virtual. might be tech. I don't know what it is, but, but don't be inactive anymore. We're expecting every small group leader to take a faith step. Some of you may just need to start a brand new group because you've recognized through this pandemic that you aren't living in community and you're lonely. Some of your faith step is to teach your children and lead your family in the ways of God. Some of us, it's just to come back to church. Now, I'm not saying everybody needs to come back. I understand the health risk and I'm not pushing anybody who doesn't need to be here. But for some of us, if we're not careful through this time, and I don't like this break time. Nobody does, but we've become lazy and complacent and we actually need to get ourselves to church and we'll do it very safely. For some of you, you just need a different spirit. You need a spirit like Caleb. And you're not going to fit in everywhere you go, but you're going to take this different spirit to school. You're going to take this different spirit to work. You're going to take this different spirit to church. Guys, it's easy right now for us to get on each other's nerves because of all our disagreements. But we can have a different spirit. And then let me challenge you about this. For some of you, the most important thing you could do to grow your faith right now is to find your Joshua or your Caleb. Like we said earlier, every Joshua needed a Caleb, every Caleb needed a Joshua. I'm convinced we would not be reading the story if they had not had each other. So who do you know that you could reach out and say, could we go deeper spiritually? Could we start praying together? Could we hold each other accountable for the commands of God? Now let me say this, we we have lots of challenges right now in the middle of COVID, But you know, these challenges could be opportunities. My college roommate, Wiley Mullins, lives in Connecticut and boy, they're locked down there. They sure don't meet for church. They don't do anything. But you know what he's done during COVID? He started a Zoom Bible study, not of people from his church, but of just people he knows. And over the last month, they actually studied scripture three times a week. He's had up to 20 people part of this. And listen to this, listen. Three people have been baptized because of this Zoom Bible study that would have never happened without COVID. So let's don't sit back and go, oh, when COVID's over, we'll get with it. No, no, no. This is the chance for us to exercise real faith that takes risks, that takes steps. Are you ready to take it? Boy, what a great example we have to put their arms around us, Joshua and Caleb, and say, you know what, by all means, by the power of God, you can do this. I want you to see another couple of people right now who seven years ago were living here in Montgomery, had two children, uprooted their family, they both had good jobs, owned a home, uprooted their family, moved to a dangerous country in the Middle East, so dangerous that I really can't mention their full names today. I really can't even tell you the country they're in because we're online. But they were willing to risk it all to go share the gospel. And so you're going to hear right now from our friends, Joy and Ann, as they lead us in communion and challenge us. You see, God's not calling all of us to move overseas. But God is challenging every one of us to take a step of faith. So listen to this during the communion time. Think about what is your next step where you can take a risk for God.
1: Good morning, brothers and sisters from across the ocean. Uh, it is so nice to be able to uh, kind of be with you uh, this morning. Uh, uh, and we're also really glad to be sharing with you about how our great God cast out fear through his perfect love and through our faith in, in what he will accomplish, what he's promised. In fact, we just had uh, time with the kids recently talking about how God is a promise keeper. And, um, and it's really interesting to live in a country right now that where people daily, like even before this whole uncertain time that we're in right now, who for years prior to that, had to walk out daily their faith even though it may cost them even though their faith alone uh, may cost them dearly in the form of family uh, friends jobs and yet there's so many people here uh, who model for us every day what it means to to walk out that faith and one of those ladies ann has been working with and really been getting to know recently and um, so her story is pretty amazing
2: yeah, When we talk about faith over fear, there's one particular lady that comes to mind every time. Her faith is so has been so inspiring to me. Um, she's been a believer for years and years and years. Is in her 70s and um, has trouble hearing, even has trouble at times thinking clearly. But she goes all over the city um, every day, gets out of her house, walks miles and miles and miles, and just shares the gospel with whoever she comes into contact with, invites them to church, Invites them to uh, sit down and have coffee and talk and let her share about Jesus with them. She has been threatened for her faith. She has been uh, told by other people that that if she keeps sharing, they're going to shoot her. They're going to kill her. Um, She's been emotionally abused by family members, physically abused by family members. And um, most of which because she's a follower of Jesus. And yet none of that has deterred her from continuing to share. This past year's Christmas party, we had a table. We had lots of different tables set up, but we had to have a table all for her and the friends that she invited because the whole table was full, just with the people that she had walked around the city and invited and the friends she had invited because she so much wanted them to hear the gospel story of how Jesus came to earth um, and how much he loves them. And so as we think about communion this morning, I think about what must motivate Musa Tese, and it's clear that what motivates her is the faith that she saw in Jesus, that he was willing to walk towards the cross every day of his life, not just the day he went before he went, but every day he chose faith over fear, to walk towards his death, to walk towards our salvation, and to take up and to spill his blood and to give his body. So that we could have, so that we today could choose that same faith over whatever we fear. Whether that's, we think we could be killed for our faith, that's unlikely in a lot of our situations. But we do have every day to choose. No, we want, we're going to choose faith over the fear that's in front of us. Because that's what Jesus did for us. in Communion, I pray today as you take it, that it will remind you of of his faith and his love for you. And that will give you great courage in the face of the things that you fear
1: so let's pray for the bread and the cup um, father we do thank you uh, that you um, that you call us into this faith that drives out fear that your perfect love drives out that fear that your perfect love displayed on the cross uh, in, when your body was broken and your blood was spilled Uh, to bring us into that communion with you into that relationship with you and we thank you for this time right now where we are reminded that we proclaim your death Lord Jesus until you come in glory in your name we pray amen
0: last week I was in Huntsville with my grandchildren and uh, my grandson Tase likes you to tuck him in and he asked you to tell him a story well I'm preaching through this text and so this was an easy one to tell. And so I'm, I'm telling about God's people going through the Red Sea and walking on dry land and the Egyptians being covered. And Tay says to me, You know, granddaddy, God used to do that, but he doesn't do that anymore. And I don't think he's being completely illogical. He lives close to the Tennessee River, he's never seen that river parted. But it was a great opportunity for me to say to him, "Taste God's still the same God. He's still in the miracle business. He might deliver someone from an addiction. He might deliver someone from sin. He might restore someone's marriage. God still does these kind of things. That's why these stories are here. Not that he replicates this story exactly, but because we know that whatever we face, God is powerful enough to tackle it. And that's why our fourth point this morning is so important. I want to close with, you must remember God's promises. I think this is beneath every other point that we've made, having that different spirit, taking that faith step, you know, taking that that step of risk of a new challenge. You see, listen to me. As we met Caleb just a few moments ago, he claims a promise God made to him Forty-five years ago. Forty-five years ago. Not yesterday, not 45 days ago, 45 years ago. You see, I want you to understand as we've gone through this amazing story that the the lead character here is not even Joshua Caleb. The lead character is God. He's represented there by the Ark of the Covenant. If you read these chapters closely, the Ark of the Covenant is mentioned 16 times. That's the presence of God among His people. So the lead character is a God who keeps His promises. And that's why, guys, for us to be these kind of people who finish faithfully, we 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 got to claim the promises of God. You guys have been doing so awesome with this. I want to show you a picture of the the faith over fear boards. I mean, look at this. Last week, as you wrote about what your challenge is, And then you filled in the blanks after the but, about but God, about God's been faithful, about God's always taking care of. I'm telling you, I can't wait for you to come here and be able to read some of these. I need to share some of those with you. And that's been so powerful. And we filled two boards up just like this. Now next week, we're going to go to the reverse side of the boards that are empty. And we're going to fill this side with the promises of God. Boy, we're talking about something to build our faith. Here's my challenge. My challenge is for you to get a three-by-five card, just a regular old three-by-five card, and write down a promise of God that means something to you. Now, there's two ways you can do this, actually three. You could, um, number one, just fill out this card this week and bring it next Sunday and let's put it on the board. If you're not going to be able to come or you would just prefer texting, there's our text number. And you guys have learned this well. Wow. I'm just bl- actually blown away by the way you have participated in the last few weeks. 334-721-4548. Just text us that promise of God, and we'll put it on one of these little white cards, and, and hopefully next Sunday we'll fill this. Now, if by next Sunday you hadn't filled it out, we'll have white cards for you then. But how awesome for us in the world we live in with what we're facing right now, for us to fill our minds and literally fill that Bored with the promises of God. We mentioned A.W. Tozer earlier. This is my favorite A.W. Tozer quote. A scared world needs a fearless church. You hear that? A scared world needs us to be a fearless church. As Paul said to Timothy at the beginning of our message here, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound doctrine and sound mind. So I hope today Joshua and Caleb have put their arm around you. And they've said to you, God is so powerful. He can conquer any land, any territory, any giants in your life. And it's possible to not finish fearfully like most people, but to finish faithfully. I want to say to you next week, again, we're going to be back in person. And any of you that can do that, please come and join us. It really is powerful. Please remember two weeks from today is Mission Sunday. You saw Joy and Ann a few moments ago, and you're hearing their story. On, on Mission Sunday, every penny we give goes to support people like Joy and Ann around the world and people even here in our community that are taking risks for God. So let's blow away this goal of 160000 Next week when you come... We'll have those Faith Over Fear devotional books. We've got long shirt, long sleeve Faith Over Fear uh, t-shirts. We'll just look forward to being together, whether it's in person or virtually. I think this message calls for us to close this service in prayer. So be claiming those promises. Let's share those with each other. I'll tell you what my promise is before I pray. My favorite promise is a promise about promises. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ Jesus. And through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for gathering us even virtually today. God, thank you for the story that compels us, that challenges us, Lord, we confess to you that we're not always these people that we've just read about. But Lord, we want to have a different spirit. We want to take faith steps. We want to accept new challenges. Too many of us have been like the other Israelites, just circling the wilderness over and over and again. Just doing the same things over and over again. God, help us to put our big toe in the Jordan River. Help us to believe that you will part it no matter what challenge we have in life. Help us to be a church, Lord. A fearless church that a scared world needs. God, bless us as we live our life out. Give us creativity in this time of how to reach out. Give us the faith to give generously that first Sunday in February. God, I thank you so much for this church. This is an awesome church. I thank you for the way that we are hanging with each other through everything that's going on. Do not let Satan divide us because we know that you are more powerful than Satan. And so even this week, God, help us to take some kind of next step. Don't let us leave today without deciding on the next step that we're going to take. We pray all this in the one who risked it all for us on the cross, Jesus Christ. Amen.